This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I'll see people at like 9am going for runs and picking up croissants and, and, and be like, yeah, I'm one of them now. Whereas I used to be, you know, in the back of a cab looking at those people thinking, what the fuck is wrong with them? Why are they up getting a croissant at this time? Smug gets. Yeah. Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics by honest conversations. This week we're going to be looking at dating and I am speaking to La 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 Let Me Explain. She is an anonymous relationships expert who delves in the highs and lows of modern day dating to give raw and honest advice on topics that people are often too embarrassed or afraid to talk about. She's also a qualified social worker and dating and relationships educator. She left her 15-year career in the public sector in 2018 to bring her professional knowledge to social media and has a loyal army of over 200,000 followers. Not just that, she's also OK Magazine's resident agony art and author of best-selling book, Block, Delete, Move On, which I was about to gesture is um, on my desk, but um, no one can see that, so there's no point. But (laughs) it's it's absolutely brilliant. It is all about spotting the red flags of toxic troublemakers and helps navigate the very complex and dangerous world of modern dating. It really is an indispensable guide to both first-time dates and long-term relationships. I say that and I feel like I'm lying a bit because I didn't date in the online world so I kind of only know it from an observer's point of view you know as I got into my relationship with my husband it was kind of yeah internet dating was just coming about so Mm. but I was trying to reflect on the kind of trouble that I would have got myself in because I got myself into enough trouble with just a mobile phone (laughs) and, and, and no and no social media anyway before we begin all that I like to start with three kind of fun questions which are Number one, how are you really? What star sign are you? And what's your favourite crisp? Oh, wow. Great questions. Um, How am I really? I don't know. It varies depending on which time of the day you ask me. I'm all right now because it's 11am and I actually feel like I've achieved something this morning. Just simple things like doing a wash and actually hanging it up. You know, these things that I used to find so easy before the pandemic have all become... I, I don't know, I feel like life feels just harder. Um, uh, and so I'm really trying to enjoy just getting the little things done, you know. Um, so I'd say I think I'm probably up and down, uh, but generally okay. Um, what star sign am I? That is actually not even a simple question either, uh, because I'm born on the cusp uh, of Scorpio Sagittarius. 
But, Ooh. well, you see, I always thought I was a Scorpio. I used to read Mystic Meg in the Sun back in the like 90s. And my birth date was uh, the one that she had for Scorpio. Um, so I always used to read that. And then when I was like 17, I went and got a Scorpio symbol tattooed on me. It's kind of dickish thing you do when you're 17. Um, and then about a year later for my 18th birthday, my mum got me my birth a birth chart reading. Uh, and it was like a proper like one-on-one. So mm-hmm. she'd obviously given my time of birth and date of birth and place and all that to this woman. And so I went into the room and she sat down and she was like, well, obviously, you know, you're a Sagittarius. And <laughs> I was like, oh no, fuck. Like, <laughs> did not know that. <laughs> um, so I had to get the tattoo altered. Uh, so yeah, I'm a Sagittarius, but I'm on the cusp. Interesting. I mean, they're quite different. They're quite different. Very different. They? I'm very, I'm much more of a Saggy than a Scorpio. Yeah, much I mean, more. I mean, Saggies are great. I like Scorpios, but Saggies are like the ones, aren't they? What are you? I'm a Pisces. I'm an emotional Pisces. Uh, but um, uh, I've got, yeah, I've got, well, I admire Sagittarius. So I'm very different because I'm, I'm a chronic overthinker rather than a, a good time person. But I mean, <laughs> I think that, I think Saggy's a good one to be. Yeah. I like I like um, Saggy personalities. And your favourite crisp? Oh, um, I think it's McCoy's cheese and onion. Mm-hmm. That's a solid crisp, mm. isn't it? Substantial. Yeah. Um, it's interesting what you say at the beginning about like getting um the ordinary task done. So I've got this white screen behind me, but if I flip the my laptop round, you'd see the chaos of my house, and it, you know, not not terrible chaos, but definitely not how I thought my house would be. And the, mm. and and just is it being an adult? Is it because we're overwhelmed? Is it because we're spending too much time? I'm asking myself, not you. Ask too much time doing other things, being on the internet, and not sorting my life out. But it does feel hard to get on top of normal life. Yeah, it does. It does, and in, in a way that it never used to. And I, I wonder if it's just more like the sort of major disruption of routine. You know, we'd had all our lives to get into a kind of routine and like you you know before the pandemic I just felt like I could easily manage the whole like well not necessarily easily but I could you know get a working day done I could make a dinner get everything Mm. ready for my son and now I feel the amount of fucking deliveries that I'm buying or not even deliveries just picking up like a sandwich or whatever you know I'm finding Like, I can't do things in the way that I used to. I'm not cooking in the same way that I used to. I'm getting to the, like, like you know, four o'clock, uh, you know, on a Thursday afternoon or whatever. I'm thinking, like, fuck, I haven't even planned dinner. Like, what am I doing? Uh, whereas it was all so set before. So I've really lost something, I think, because of the pandemic. And I don't know how to get it back. But I need to mm. because I can't, you know... I've I've got to get mm. back on track because it is affecting my mental health because mm. I always feel like I'm chasing my tail. Because mm. actually, what we all know is those foundations are the what you know. People talk about self help, but actually, it's I, I believe it's like managing to have your bedroom tidy, having some food in the fridge, yeah. like having having any kind of structure. Yeah, it's really interesting. But I've just done a podcast on burnout actually, and we've lost the ability to properly rest. Mm. And if you don't, it, and then the problem is when you're in this chaos bit, you think, well, I, I mustn't stop because I am you know everything really will drop to the floor but without ever having proper rest we we kind of yeah can't do anything yeah this is what my therapist was talking to me about actually is that I um 
I've kind of almost fucked myself up by being in the the space that I'm in. So I obviously my work is social media and so when I am like right you know what I'm not going to do anything I just need to rest and relax I'll lay back and then I'll be scrolling on Instagram Mm. and then effectively in a way I'm working because I'm not just relaxing I'm 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 seeing different stories coming up and thinking oh shit you know that's something that I need to post or or talk about I'm opening messages and inevitably you know there's some element of work to that because people will be asking me a question which I then need to like screenshot and add Mm. to my live list um but even when I'm like making a conscious effort like get off your phone um my my therapist was like so how do you relax and I'm like well you know I'll read a book she's like what are you reading I'm reading fix the system by Laura Bates she's like no no what you doing so everything is constantly and when I'm watching those things I'm thinking about how am I going to present this what information am I going to take from this how can I uh feed this back to my audience so it's never it never stops even in the times when I'm just trying to consciously relax and I need to do better I need to read fiction I need to watch Mm. things that are going to take me out of this headspace of all the things that I work work around you know yeah it's really interesting and actually as you're talking so your career is as a as a social worker and now you're in this space now I'm imagining when you were a social worker there's some structures in place to try and support you so that you can support others yeah you're, you're still supporting others in a in a huge way but probably with with zero structure to support you. Yeah, so I've recently, uh, that's part of what my therapy is about. Um, so that was one of the things that I was really missing was, so when you're a social worker, obviously you're dealing with really, really high-end uh, trauma. And so you have regular supervision or you're supposed to have regular supervision, whether that happens or not, is uh, often down to the local authority and staffing and resources and stuff, but you're supposed to have supervision so you can go through all your cases uh, and reflect on them and reflect on how they've made you feel. But also, even if you're not having that monthly supervision, you've got people in the office, you've got your manager there, mm-hmm. you've got people to sound off on and run things by. And um, and I didn't really sort of realise how incredibly important all of that was until I didn't have it. Um, so, I mean, I still do one-to-one sessions with my patrons and obviously I'm still dealing every day with um, domestic abuse and trauma and sexual abuse and and mm. all sorts of stuff. And I realised that actually what I really need is clinical supervision. So what I'm paying for now is a mixture of sort of therapy for myself, but also we take some space at the end where I talk about some of the questions that I've had that week or some of the stuff that I've mm. dealt with that week. And she helps me to... Um, to reflect on it and and sort of come through it and get my head uh, around all of it. I mean, it's very fucking costly. Um, I'm going to see if I can offset it as a business expense. Uh, But yeah, but it's, but I'd pay a million pound for it if I had Mm -hmm. to, you know, the benefit that it's it's really changed how, uh, yeah, it's just changed how much I'm able to compartmentalize things. And yeah, it's just been very, very beneficial, beneficial for me. Yeah, and also it's it's um I'm just going to do a therapist chat now, but it's also about you putting the value when you're in a, a career like social work. It's a very, I imagine, easier to understand the value you're adding. You're doing a very similar thing now, but because it it exists in kind of a popular culture space, you could do yourself a disservice by not realizing how valuable that is, and by giving yourself the space to process that, you're putting the the appropriate value on the work that you do. I think. Mm. Yeah. 
yeah, I just wish there was that bloody monetary value on it. Yeah, this no. is this is the this is one one of the things that I've I've had to bring into therapy actually is this feeling that I um, have around. I, I guess the right word would be jealousy or envy, which is a very unhealthy uh, feeling. But there are a lot of people who I would say are doing pretty much the same job as me, but are my, maybe in like the fashion space or, or a more general kind of thing or a mummy space or whatever. And, and I know that a lot of people are earning, I mean, 10 times what I'm earning. I'm mm. really on the lower end of the influencer scale because I don't do a lot of ads. I rely mainly on Patreon for my income. Um, but I do sometimes get that sense of like fucking hell, like I'm doing so so much intensive work, um, and and work that makes real world change, and I'm not being paid the same as my peers. Um, mm. And if I wanted to, then I'd have to start being like, hey, do you like this washing powder? Um, mm. So, so that is one of the things that I have to work around, which is actually it not feeling devalued by the fact mm. that I am financially valued less than a lot of people who are doing a very similar job to me, you know? Yeah, um, it's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. It's hard. And it's hard to kind of weigh up um, doing work that you feel is useful for the world. Really, work that is useful doesn't, doesn't tend to pay the bills. And that's no. the absolute fundamental problem across the board with society isn't it yeah I mean and that's the thing you never you don't get into social work if you are somebody who is money motivated like if you choose that career it's you not you know you're not got massive potential for you know going up and going higher the maximum you're ever really gonna earn as a manager or whatever might be like 50 grand or 55,000 you don't go into social work because you're like right this is going to be the career that earns me money mm. you go into it because you're like this is what I have to do this is what I'm good at doing and hopefully I can keep my head above water um so I never came into the influencer world like yeah I'm gonna be rich um mm. that's just not me that's never been me but um but at the same time there is that envy of like fuck you like you're going mm. on all these holidays you're driving a Range Rover and I can't mm. afford to get my wing mirror fixed you know and I'm not mm. claiming poverty I'm, I'm actually you know if I wasn't a single parent um solely responsible for every bill and everything in my house I'd probably be doing all right um mm. you, you know I, I've, I've actually got more money coming in now than when I was a social worker but obviously cost of living crisis mm. is very shit but yeah it is that comparison thing and like, like the very old quote says comparison is the thief of joy mm. so that's one of the things the therapist is helping me to do is understand the value and take pleasure from that rather than feeling like but I should be earning more you know mm. yeah it's weird because your comparison field is now completely different that's it isn't it and it's so broad and it's it's against and and there is the the extreme end of influence culture is is unbelievable money for for yeah um, for, for looking pretty you know like yeah. I look at someone like Molly May and I'm like ah <laughs> But. Yeah, and it's it's hard because you want to like the person in me wants to go. Okay, well, this makes I can make sense of it because something, but you can't really make sense of it. It's actually just a bit of shit and a bit un unfair. And, it's and you've capitalist got a, and horrible yeah, and materialistic yeah. and yeah. But so tell me about how you did get into this space. What what were your intentions? How it came about? Yeah, it was sort of um, not really much like everything in my entire life, not really planned. Um, uh, and that's a very saggy thing, actually, is this kind of just like roll with it and see what happens kind of uh, uh, approach to life. Um, 
So it wasn't really intentional at all. What had happened was I had had an incredibly shit relationship. Um, and I always call him the fuckboy that broke the camel's back. So like you, I'd been in a relationship, long-term relationship since my early 20s with my son's dad. And I um, became a single parent uh, just as the kind of apps were were coming about so uh, it was about 2013 that I joined the app so I'd been in a relationship since like early 2000s mm-hmm. and um obviously he, we split up when I was pregnant so I hadn't been doing any dating or anything until my son was about 18 months old I don't think like breastfeeding and going out on dates is really congruent you know what I mean <laughs> sorry mate my tits are engorging massively at the pub you know so I finished all the breastfeeding and everything and then I and then I joined tinder and everything and I was so naive because it was it, the, the world was completely different to when I'd last mm. been single um and also I was a single mum so that was just a total different scenario that I wasn't really quite prepared for um and I just jumped into it without really giving much consideration to red flags or just, I was just naive um, and, and really went kind of gung-ho into online dating um, and had a lot of shit experiences, uh, a, a, a lot of shit experiences, some funny, uh, some not funny at all. Um, but then I so saw it, it, end of 2016, I, I'd been dating this guy for a few months and it was just like uh, I came to the end of it and I was like Jesus Christ what is wrong with you what have you been thinking um and I had all these sort of light bulb moments it was like I started tying all this stuff together in my head like that's where I fucked up and that at the beginning there I should have noticed that that was a red flag and it was just like everything started popping in my head um and I decided to go completely celibate I was like I don't need men don't want to date anyone don't want to be anywhere near a man I just need to get my head together and then because I'd had all these epiphanies and then I had that period of time where I was just like right no men I felt like I need every woman to know this because I know so many women are making the same mistakes that I am out in the dating world um and so it was partly like therapeutic for myself but partly also because I had this sense of like if only other women knew what Mm. I knew now at this point they might not have to go through the shitty five years of online dating that I've just been through um so I started writing a blog totally anonymously didn't think anyone was going to read it um and I just literally started writing like big blogs about my dating experiences uh and people loved them um somehow through word of mouth it grew and it just grew and it grew and it grew um and then after a year I was like okay this is looking like maybe I can make something out of this um so I was able to leave social work and and put it all into uh influencing it's mad isn't it how life turns out Mm, yeah so so what I mean to go back to that when you're first going in the dating scene I mean you're, number one you're going into that scene how are you feeling in yourself when you're first downloading those apps well it was horrible when I first uh started doing it because I had put on a lot of weight I put on a lot of weight in my relationship so when I first met my son's dad I was very slim size eight to ten got very comfortable in the relationship was doing lots of cooking and eating out and all of that and then got pregnant and so I ended the relationship like 
a size 16 to 18. Um, so I was pretty low on confidence and my son's dad cheated on me. Uh, and to add insult to injury, he cheated on me with somebody who looked completely different to me um, and was very, 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 very skinny. Um, and so that was really difficult for me. And actually being on Instagram over the last few years has been uh, incredibly valuable in helping me to see weight and stuff differently mm-hmm. um, and to not be fat phobic. But I've definitely been pretty eating disordered over my life and was very fat phobic towards myself and really had massive confidence issues because of my weight mm-hmm. um but st- but went on to the dating apps like still like you know with natural pictures didn't edit them or anything showed my body not my body you know mm. full length in clothes and whatever um and I had quite a lot of things like people matching me and saying things like oh that was accidental you're punching well above your weight or somebody said something really mean to me like I look like a Russian shot putter or something I don't know people were just like mean um and that really affected my confidence and so I went sort of mental on um I can't remember what that thing was that everybody was doing insanity I think it was called Mm -hmm. you know there was that fad so I did that and lost tons of weight um, and then ended up being on the dating apps again. And suddenly there was this big difference because I looked different, but also I had this massive confidence. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and, and actually that was almost dangerous for me in a way when I was suddenly able to get all of this attention and had gone from actually being made to feel really like I shouldn't be there. Um, yeah, then I was just like, hey, um, but didn't notice things that were negative, didn't notice things like things being very focused on my body, um, didn't notice things like, you know, sexual undertones that were coming very quickly and that were all about how I looked and what my body looked like. And I sort of almost learned to leave my brain behind and put my body forward first. Um which was weird because you know by that point I was already a qualified social worker Mm. I've been working in the field for years I was a mother at this point but I also sort of quickly learned that um men didn't really want to talk about the serious stuff or you know certainly the men that I was speaking to I had this weird thing where it was like if guys were really intelligent and really um kind of on a level with me academically or or intellectually I would feel very intimidated by that Mm. I would feel nervous I'd feel like maybe I wasn't good enough and um so I found that very difficult and I couldn't really sort of be myself because I'd feel myself trying to be kind of extra highbrow um then I found myself sort of going on lots of dates with people who were definitely not my intellectual match um and getting into this headspace of like not not putting that side of me forward so sort of almost pretending that I was a bit thicker than I am and you know it was Mm. all a massive learning experience for me basically I was not dating as myself I was dating as this kind of person who I had been taught by you know 
Matthew Hussey and all these, I was reading these dating books, Why Men Love Bitches and all these other things. And I was like, they were all telling me that I needed to pretend to be someone else. And so each person I matched with, I'd be like, what do you think he might want? Oh, he wants a sexy bimbo or, you know? And so I was just kind of like out there, like, how do I mold myself into what these men want me to be? Um, and it wasn't until I started this page and, and really started learning and understanding my position as a woman and, and all of those things that I was like, fuck, what is wrong with you? You mm. know, be, be your real self. The problem is that now that I'm practicing being my real self, nobody actually wants <laughs> me. <laughs> this is so interesting for me to hear because I, yeah, as I said, I was on, um, yeah, I missed, I missed this thing when I was dating. And I always look back on my behavior when I was, you know, single in my youth and thank god if I did that again with with the benefit of what I know now at 40 I'd be really different but as you're speaking I'm thinking maybe I wouldn't maybe that's easy to say when you're not putting yourself out there and you're not having to present as something maybe I maybe all those things would still unfurl again because you can be you know what you hope is a smart smart worldly woman and then fall into these traps where you behave like someone that you don't even recognize yeah yeah and and that's exactly what happened to me and um you know if you'd have said to me when I was 31 or however old I was when I was doing all this like are you a strong smart confident woman I'd have been like yeah and kind of like at work I was you know at work I was doing this really serious work I was really helping people to um flee from abusive relationships or you know going into court um defending children and all this kind of stuff then I'd go home and it would be like I'd become this person who I didn't really know because I was so desperate my need to be loved my need to be wanted and I think a lot of that came from the fact that I was cheated on and that my son's dad stayed and is still with the person that he cheated uh on me with which actually now I see it as um they were such a better match than than he and I ever were. Uh, she's a great stepmom to my son, so um, there, there there's no issues there. But I think at the time I was so hurt about it, um, and so like, right, well, he's got somebody, and I really need somebody too. That it was kind of very tunnel vision. Like, you need to be loved. You need to get a boyfriend. You know, whatever you've got to do to get that. And I don't even think that was necessarily a conscious thing, but it was like I'd been sort of taught that like well women should be this and women should be that and men don't like this and men don't like that Mm. so I just sort of accidentally fell into it but sort of motivated by my insecurities um Mm. so you know and I I made a lot of mistakes and it's really interesting I speak to a lot of women who who are much older than me uh women in their late 50s and 60s who are jumping on the dating apps after divorce or uh after many years of not dating at all um and it really age doesn't make any difference. I think mm. it's that the, there are so many women who are experiencing very similar to what I did, which is like, there seems to be this sense of what men want on the apps. And if we don't mold ourselves into that, then we're going to end up lonely. Um, mm. And breaking free from that was such so liberating f- for me. It keeps you single yeah, I mean- a lot longer, but. But so be it. Yeah. I think that's the that's the real truth. It's hard to sit in these two places, isn't it? Because you you want to tell yourself that you're um you'd be fine on your own, and I'm you know most women I know would be absolutely fine on their own. But you don't also want to harden to the point that that you don't allow yourself to have someone else. So to try and sit in those two places at yeah. once is really difficult. Yeah, but I'm one, wondering in the time when you were on dating apps, or from what you've learned from your page. 
you know, is there things where were you ever going into it just for sex versus then when you were going into it looking for a relationship? It, was it easy to know when you were sitting or for, you know, not more than sex, basically? Um, did you know what your intentions were? Did that show up in the way you behaved? And can that confuse things? I never, ever went on the apps just looking for sex. I was always looking for a relationship. And then I would often do that stupid thing, really, of matching somebody, going on a couple of dates with them, definitely with the intention in my mind that this would progress to a relationship. Then discovering that, usually after sex, that they're too busy for a relationship right now or like they've got some issues Mm. that they need to sort out. And instead of me being like, well, we want different things, so this isn't going to work out, I'd be like, but I want you, so let's have whatever context you're willing to have me in. And if that means casual fine so be it you know um so I'd almost like pretend that I was down for casual just Mm. because I didn't want to lose the person um which actually now the space that I'm in is very different and I'm in a very very different headspace now and actually I'd be very up for casual but also I do I'm never going to be someone uh who is like, for example, I gave my number to a guy the other day. He was really hot. Um, met him just randomly in the street, actually. He was bloody beautiful. We ended up talking, exchanged numbers, and then he started messaging me almost instantly. And he suggested coming around to my heat. He was just working, like doing building work on a house on my road. And he was like, my lunch break's coming up. Shall I come around and eat you out? And I was like, no. Like... And I know that in his head and in this man head, and maybe for some women too, this is like a Pornhub scenario, you know, like you can imagine he's thinking, oh yeah, horny milf, I'll go around, we have this horny time and then I leave. And for him, maybe that sounds fantastic. But for me, I'm like, Ugh, how could this strange man come into the house I share with my child? Like, Ugh, I can't imagine anything worse. I probably won't come. Mm. Um I'll be constantly paranoid about whether you've got any STIs, even if we're using protection. You know, mm-hmm. just this scenario does not sound sexy to me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, for me, if I was going to have any type of casual sex, it would have to happen like organically. It would have mm-hmm. to happen that we've gone out on a date and I really like you. and Maybe I don't see you as a potential relationship, but we end up, you know, we end up falling into bed together or Mm. we like each other and we're Mm. dating and we just end up having casual sex and that's cool. Like, you know, um, that can work. It can can work, but it can never work in that. Like, right, I'm picking you for a one night stand and I'm going to talk about it over the internet. Are they just for me? And that's no judgment on anyone because Mm. if, if some people really find that hot and sexy and they can really do the whole very, very casual sex thing, I just can't do it. I can't, I just, and I've never been able to, um, mm. you know, I, I, and actually I think if I was having casual sex with someone, I'm still in a position where if we've met up three times, I'd be thinking, are you sleeping with anyone else? Why mm. do you want to? Why don't mm. you just have me as the only person you're sleeping? You know, mm. I'm not good at it. So. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, there's a couple of things I want to pick up on there. Number one, what did you reply to him? Did you did you tell him the truth? Yeah, I said that. What? I was just like. That'd be gross. I'd rather meet you for a sandwich on a park bench than. Uh, oh, he was a weirdo. He was, it turned out he was an absolute weirdo and I and uh, I had to block him. I was like, you know, like I, 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 you know, I can see why you've suggested that in your little Pornhub world, but this is not Pornhub. And, you know, we'd have to go. If See, this is why I think men cock block themselves because actually he was very good looking but he's probably not mm. a raging feminist or socialist you know or an intellectual match of somebody that I need for a relationship if he'd have played his cards right and taken me for a drink maybe yeah. we, we would have ended up doing something yeah. um but never if I thought that that's where you'd put me in that box already like mm. you know um like I say if we'd gone for a drink you're not an intellectual match but I'm really horny maybe we could do this but you know he cock blocked himself entirely but yeah of course I said to him like oh no I'm a woman like think about it how weird would that be for me how dangerous and risky would that be for me no but do you think do you think everyone's confused about what we should be doing like, do you think guys have got the wrong idea that you know he I mean I don't know that yes and no I guess but that we're all feeding this lie because actually I definitely grew up with that in the kind of sex in the city not the recent one but um, <laughs> like that kind of thing of oh you know a, a liberated woman is is comfortable with sleeping around and mm. I'm and I'm I'm very cool with anyone if that's what you want to do but in my core that, that that doesn't work for me because I for all the reasons you've just said because I'm more complex than that because I want emotional connection and I, I any kind of preconceived idea of that freaks me out mm. but but I think I've been led to believe that if I if I think I am a modern liberated woman that I should be okay with that yeah I think that there is a big difference um for women who come easily from penetration of which I am not one um and vast majority of women aren't I think it's 75 percent women of women or people with vaginas need clitoral stimulation to be able to come now with men it's so different isn't it so I, I understand why their perspective to sex for sex is slightly different and maybe if I knew that I was guaranteed like a banging orgasm um at the end of it, maybe my perspective would be different, but I'm not. And I'm, I'm, you know, I require a lot more and I, and and I need that mental stimulation. I need to feel safe. I need to feel adored. I need to feel desired. I need all these things to be matching up at the same time for me to have a really nice, pleasurable experience. I need to trust you. I need to feel safe. So, you know, I know that, um, that guy, for example, coming around on the lunch break, there would have been, even if you take away all the the risks of him coming around and everything, it still wouldn't have been worth it for me because mm. I probably wouldn't have had an orgasm and he would. And um, so so I understand why for him it's like, yeah, great idea. But but for me and for many other women, it's, it's just, what's, what's the point? I'm putting myself mm. at all this risk for something which may be a bit of, you know, in a fantasy world, a bit of a horny situation. But actually in reality, it's not going to be. It's not going to mm. do anything for me. Um, and I think, 
women need to be much more honest with themselves about that and and mm. not we, we we shouldn't aspire to be like masculine necessarily in the way that we do it because sex for men and women is just really different it just is mm. um but like I say there are a percentage of women who know that they're going to come who know that they're going to orgasm and if that's you go for it like mm-hmm. you know there's nothing wrong with it for me I've really learned like I can't I can't do that yeah it's so important that is kind of the where the fundamental difference is and everyone I guess knowing what they want out of a situation and that that is confusing what other red flags do you see then for in the in the dating scene what are the common themes that that come up for you um I mean that is a big one the kind of sex desperados I guess you would call them um people who instantly want to steer the conversation into a very sexual uh direction without even really bothering to get to know you often making really uh vulgar statements um you know there's certain different apps are different but I remember when I first started plenty of fish was the big one plenty Mm -hmm. of fish now has really gone downhill it's it's kind of like some looks like a kind of rehab or community prison center you know like he's like odd plenty of fish now but back in the day that was like the only pretty much the only Mm. dating app um and anyone could message you you didn't have to have matches from them and it was often stuff like I want to blow your back doors in I want to come on your face you know like really extreme horrible stuff and so then when you're getting that but then you match somebody else who's not like that and they're like what size are your tits suddenly that feels really tame and a bit safer you know what I mean so so I think I was like not spotting because it was like comparatively less vulgar than a lot of the others I wasn't necessarily spotting then that those people weren't were were taking conversations in a direction that I didn't want them to go you know um so yeah there are lots of red flags for people who are only viewing women as sex objects um you know steering the conversation uh very sexually asking for more pictures constantly um no taking no interest whatsoever in like who you are or what you're doing on a day-to-day basis it's all very sexual and sometimes you don't even really necessarily see through that um other red flags are things like uh jealousy i've had it quite a few times um where guys will start saying things like so how many guys are you talking you know you've you've exchanged like five or ten messages with them and they're like are you talking to anyone else on here it's like well yeah I'm on dating app oh well that puts me off I don't like women who speak to loads of different people um you know so you so those kind of things jealousy negging is a big one um if people start off or or very early on or at any point really because negging can happen uh throughout relationships but negging is when somebody intentionally uh makes you feel shit about yourself in order to bring you down a peg or two basically and it's a tactic which is um promoted by these guys who call themselves PUAs pickup artists and they exist on like YouTube there's loads of books written by pickup artists and their whole like um modus operandi is teaching men how to get as much sex as possible um uh, by basically committing psychological warfare against women um and actually it sort of works um so so one of the biggest things that they recommend is this thing called negging which is like you know if you match a beautiful woman online she's so used to all these men being like wow you're amazing you're the greatest woman be different to that make her feel like shit um but also like shit sandwich 
So you're really great, blah, blah, blah. But, um, y- you know, I bet you were hotter. I bet you were hot when you were younger or something, you know, whatever. Little, little things like that that make a woman then go, oh, fuck. But then then you back it up with another compliment. So it's like bring her down a peg or two, then make her chase your approval, make her chase your validation. Um, So I didn't realize how much negging uh, was a really, really bad sign. Um, But it is. And and they often disguise it as banter. They often disguise it as a joke. but it's quite frequent on, on online dating mm. apps. So that's another thing. You know, if somebody makes you feel less than, if somebody makes you feel a bit shit about yourself, somebody makes a banterous, sarcastic joke about your pictures, go on, like let go there at that point because mm. it's potentially a really bad sign. Mm. Oh, but you, I, um, again, I'm thinking only as my younger self. As, as soon as someone starts with that kind of chat, your your default is to try and prove yourself, yeah. which is and which is, uh, you just know how this goes. Yeah, you know how it goes. Oh. And, and also, I one thing I was thinking about is that idea of like toxic relationships that actually feel quite exciting because you have mm. those ebbs and flows of like rejection, reclaiming, rejection, reclaiming. And you're like, Oh, this, you know, that gives you those kind of hits, doesn't it? Up mm. and down. And it, and, and again, the best relationships are tend to be the ones that feel uh, like safe to the point of boring something, mm-hmm. not boring, but you know, um, Esther Perel talks about it that we do like excitement and safety sit at different ends of the scale. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's very important. I think you know a lot of us who sort of had chaotic childhoods um, and insecure attachments. The turbulence of those kind of toxic relationships feel very familiar. Um, mm. you know, they, they feed into what we've already been taught about relationships in our really, really early days. Um, and so it can be very difficult to break that cycle of, of going for people who don't feel safe, or, you know, going for people who do make you feel like, oh, what's going to happen next? You know, cause that's what you're used to. A lot of us are addicted to chaos cause we're so used to it. It's so true, isn't it? And, and then the reunion bit feels so glorious that you're like, well, this was worth it. Mm. And then you go, yeah, it, it's bonkers, isn't it, with the world of online dating that we, in the one hand, we've got um, endless opportunities in the way that, again, I, we did it when I was in my early 20s. You kind of knew the people you knew and that was that or the, the friends of the friends mm. and that was it. But you have these endless opportunities, yet increasingly with that, we're degrading our standards and it feels like a complete contradiction in terms, doesn't it? Yeah, it it is. It was so. I wish we could go back to that because I think yeah. that we have, but I think we've been ruined in in kind of many different ways. Like I'm I'm the same age as you, and so you know, like I met my son's dad just in the p- local pub, uh, and we knew loads of people the same. And you know, before that, my he was a guy who was a friend of a friend. You know, so so things have changed dramatically Mm. um and I I think there is this constant sense of like well let's you you, you know I've met someone but there's another 80,000 people on this app so let me just keep going because maybe Mm. there's somebody slightly better um but but also I think that that's kind of across the board I don't know if you've read Johan Hari Stolen Focus no, I keep seeing people post I about it. I wouldn't recommend it more highly. It's really, I haven't quite finished it yet. I'm about halfway through because, and I've, I'm having to read it on Audible or listen to it on Audible 
because I can't read a book anymore like physically I'm really struggling um like if I'm reading a book I'll read the same paragraph 15 times and realize it hasn't even gone in um and I actually have to consciously make an effort to read paper books so now everything's on audible because our focus has been stolen um by the apps by being on social media you know our brains are now used to this constant like next 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 Mm. and it's almost like we're applying that not only on the physical action of swiping on dating apps but almost also to our relationships with people you know um I think people are struggling now to build new connections Mm. because we're just like one part of my mind's there another part's there I've got to do this I've got I'm going to look at my phone during the date when they're on the toilet and then I'm going to be in a different head you know we're just not there anymore in the same way that we used to be Mm, that's so true and it's only by being there that you get past this kind of top level of of what somebody's like you know loads of my oldest friends if I met them now would we be great friends I don't know but we put the the time and the energy and you and you weren't looking for other options you kind of invested in the people that you invested in yeah and I was thinking like when you're saying obviously your relationship didn't end well but I think when you've met someone in in an extension of your community that comes with a bit of accountability as well you know I grew up in like a small town whereas if if you did something to somebody it you you'd be accountable because people would know you Mm -hmm. know you're in the same circles whereas yeah this anonymity is is complicated yeah yeah so really, I mean, I grew up in London, so, but still you have your small communities within London, you know, like I say, we all know each other around here or we did when we were growing up, you know, mm. um, so you're right, that is very, very true. And also we didn't have, like, you know, if somebody did something bad to me when I was 20, I'd go and knock on his mum's door, you know, <laughs> ring his landline mm. uh, and the whole family would know about it, you know, but like, yeah, the anonymity is definitely protects a lot of shit behaviour. Yeah, because those guys sending the the, the really gross, gross messages mm. online, it's like you've got a, you've got a mum and a nan and a sister and a whatever, and you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You mm. know, it's like this. It, it's so removed from how we need to be as actual humans in the world. It, it, it allows is. people to get away with this stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, with your book, which I haven't got all the way through, but I am I am really enjoying reading that. I read so many. I mean, I guess yours does sit in self-help, but I, I, I'm finding it very, very relatable, which is really nice. But what I think the kind of block, delete, move on mentality, as you say, is, applies to dating, but applies to so much of what we allow in our lives generally, doesn't it? Yeah, Um I mean, I've, I've, I've had a lot of feedback from people who are in relationships and who are like long-term married um, about the book to say, actually, this isn't just a dating book. It's, it's mm. um, I think it's helped a lot of people reflect back on their early experiences, like pre-marriage and, and whatever. Um, but it has also helped people to, like you say, kind of adopt that mentality of, I need to take personal accountability for certain things but I also need to not um, blame myself for everything and if I feel that something is disturbing my peace or or um, making me feel shit about myself then I do have the right to block delete move on from it I do have the right to I don't you know, you know even with family if you mm. have a narcissistic mother who is continually making your life hell um I mean, block, delete, move on sounds a bit kind of 
you know, wishy-washy for, for, for ending a relationship with your mum. But actually, it is that mentality of like, actually, I don't have to tolerate things that are not making me feel good. Um, and, and there is a lot of power in in actually just, I'm not having it anymore, you know? And, and that's kind of how I felt with not necessarily individual men, but that whole dating experience as a whole. Like, I'm blocking, deleting and moving on from how shitty all of this felt and I'm going to start again. Um, Mm. But you can certainly apply it to friends, family, um, anything, a job that that is upsetting you or making you feel unworthy. I think we do need to be a lot more ruthless. I've hung on to friendships that have not been serving me well just because I've felt like, oh, but we've got so much history together and, you know, um, but no, actually, you were making me feel shit for a really long time. Mm. Bye. Yeah, and and actually, less is definitely more, isn't it? It comes back to the same thing, like of of accepting the being okay is being okay with being on your own, but also like not having to accumulate friends. I think uh, social media has done us an absolute disservice. Nobody needs hundreds of thousands of friends. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you be a friend to? You know, the the people that I consider myself a really great friend to is is a maximum of five, maybe ten people because like those relationships involve investing and caring about somebody and putting mm. energy into it. But um, yeah, it feels like the, the the things that are going on in the dating world unfortunately end up going into all aspects of society. Oh, they? absolutely, yeah, without a doubt. Um. It's so weird how negative we are about social media, isn't it? When there's so many, you know, like both of us have have yeah, you know, careers, careers out of it. And, I, you know, I see so many positives, including that building of relationships, which I, I guess maybe sometimes feel quite surface level because a lot of people you may not have even met. But I've been reading actually a bit about the concept of sort of parasocial relationships. But, but mm-hmm. actually you know, there are lots of positives that I, I actually have made real friendships and real connections. Um, and, and actually starting this social media, when I look back to where I was at t- in 2017, when I first started it, I thought I was starting it from a place of being healed. And I've learned all of this. And I'm, I'm like, ready to start. And actually, what these incredible women in, in, in my community have, have taught, you know, I have changed so much in the last five years. I've come so far when I read back over those blogs that I wrote in 2017 I'm a completely different person mm. and my thought processes are completely different and actually I uh, all of that has come from these incredible people that have shared their stories and their experiences with me you know on social media um so actually there's so much about it which is beneficial and beautiful and mm. um you know sort of life affirming uh but then like you say there's so many sides of it that are just toxic and fake and um yeah I guess it's about really figuring out where's your real life where's your social media life and is there any part that kind of crosses in in an okay in a good way you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah it is about that separation 
I think you made a good point there that actually, you know, it's easy to say, oh, date, online dating's flawed, social media's flawed. Really, it, it's about being really honest with ourselves, isn't it? And trying to check in with our own behaviour, check in with, you know, when there are red flags and often when you go back, you go, oh, I knew it. I knew it in my, somewhere in the core of my being. Mm. I knew that the red flag was there. So it, it's, um, yeah, none of these things are bad. There's loads of good that can come to it. But what is bad is if we're, so distracted by these things that we forget to be in tune with ourselves I think yeah spot on which is hard because mm. we, as we're saying we are feeling like we're dropping balls I, I don't really know what the answer is where are you at with dating at the moment um so I can't use dating apps uh because well, there's a couple of reasons really one that fucking disgusting site uh that yeah. shall not be named um somebody uh sort of set me up and took the my photos from there and posted them on that site um which they did get removed i had to um spend a lot of money that i did not have on lawyers um to to get those photos removed um so that was one of the main reasons why i don't feel like i can go on dating apps anymore and also i feel like even if i am on them like I can't really be honest about who I am. Um, yeah. So, which makes things really difficult. Um, you know, I am a bit higher profile now. I do have a lot of followers. I'm in okay. I've done the book, you know, so there are people that know who I am. Um, and so I've got to be, it's just very difficult. Like when I'm starting to make a new connection with someone, I'm having to lie. So if I say I'm an author and I'm an influencer, but I can't tell you who I am, if you follow me, you're going to know. You know what I mean? Um, So then I find myself being like, oh, I'm a social worker. But then I find myself having to lie because they'll say like, oh, how was work today? Then I have to sort of, I don't know. So that kind of side of things doesn't work. Yeah. So I do meet a lot of people out and about. Um, I do get chatted up quite a lot. I'm quite good at entertaining that, you know, like if I see someone hot, I've really learned like make eye contact, smile at them. And often they'll just end up talking to you. So, but again, I'm still in the sort of same dilemma with that um, where I'm a bit like cagey, can't really be honest about who I am. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've got, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sad and lonely. I have options if I need them. Yeah. But, um, you know, I have, I've got some close friends and stuff. But I think probably what will end up happening is that I'll meet someone in this industry. I'll go yeah. on someone's podcast or someone will come on mine and then I won't have to lie. And, you know, it'll be something yeah. like that. That's, yeah. And I'm all right. I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, I'm doing all right at the moment. I don't feel like I really need a relationship. I'm cool. No. I have these occasional things where I'm like, it would be really nice to have a man to do this with. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, you know, this is how it goes. The moment you make peace with that in your head is when is when the person comes yeah. into your life. It's yeah. always the way, isn't it? It is. Always the way when you're like, I've moved on from that thing. Oh, yeah, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> but it is not the builder who wanted to come around. Uh, no. Not, not that guy. Shame. No. When he's hot. He was a weirdo. Um, two more questions before we end. Number one, where can people find you? And this is your chance to do a good plug of your book. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so the book's available pretty much everywhere. Um, it's called Block, Delete, Move On. Just put that into Google and you can get it from Amazon, Waterstones, wherever. If you're international, you can get it from Blackwells. If you're in Australia, you can get it from Penguin, Australia. Um, I'm pretty much solely on Instagram. 
which is probably a, not a very smart business move because Instagram is getting so fucking shit now um, that it'll probably be like MySpace in about two years and everyone will be like, oh no, we don't like this. Everyone's on TikTok now, but I'm refusing to go down the TikTok route because I'm 40 and I just feel like, no, oh, this is not for me. Um, so Instagram, la la la, let me explain. And you can read my columns in OK Online every Monday. I mean, it's good. It's impressive. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot you can dig around about you. You've got a lot of stuff out there. It's, you've done a load of a load of things. It's amazing. Thank you. One one final question: If you could have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be, and what would you say? Oh wow! Um, so the, see, this is the thing: is I have honest conversations with absolutely everyone. That's been part of my downfall in my life that I'm not actually able to not be completely fucking honest about everything all the time um so (laughs) to be honest with you there isn't anyone left (laughs) that I haven't had an honest conversation with uh maybe Boris Johnson because I would really like to be able to say like what the fuck are you doing man like come on I'm representing the entire country when I say you are a clown go away help people do better um but yeah okay Go with him then. Why yeah. not? He's, he's, he's a big ticket item. Yeah, I agree though about the honest conversations. I, I mean, actually, I'd like quite like not to have an honest conversation because once you start <laughs> doing it, you can't stop. Yeah. And it's like, oh, here we go. Here's another big chat that I've wandered wandered into. <laughs> you like go to anything. You're like, wow, I end up having a massively intense chat with somebody. Yeah. But, but it's a fun way to be. Well, thank you very much. I've absolutely loved it. And I've always wondered... Yeah, I had a bit of an inkling about how I'd get on on dating apps now, and I I, I can confirm I'd be absolutely terrible. So oh, I just pray that you never need to. No, no, <laughs> but yeah, and but I think um, as you say, for any of my listeners who are in long term relationships, there's still value because even the best long term relationships can find themselves in playing out in ways you don't expect. So you you do need to you know you can learn a lot from you well the book also can really help I I really urge anyone with like teenage daughters or late teen daughters particularly or sons really um read the book and then if you see if you think it will be helpful pass it on to them or buy them their own copy preferably oh my word you're making me shudder but yes it's coming it's coming isn't it yeah I know oh my starting secondary school next year I'm like oh I can't bear it Mm. Oh, how far away have they got to travel from home? Oh, it's just walking distance. Um, I, I, that that's not the part that worries me. It's the... no, the rest of it, all of it. Yeah, it's every single part of it. But you know, the thing is, I always say to myself, I know exactly what teenager I was, and mm-hmm. so it's not a surprise if my children go on to be very similar. You know, I, I I wasn't terrible, but I definitely pushed pushed the limits on stuff. But that's, I guess, what teenage being a teenager. Is I about, was wild. I was <laughs> wild, and this is what worries me. You know, I was. My mum didn't know where I was half the time. Um, yeah, we didn't have mobile phones though back then. Yes, this is true. I would like miss the bus home from school and just go off radar until yeah. I got to, got to a phone box to do a reverse charge yeah. call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my word things really have changed a lot haven't they massively oh how hilarious thank you so much thank you well that was an excellent chat quite eye-opening but maybe it told me things that I already knew but just hadn't had necessarily first-hand experience of but I do 
thing that we all need to be honest with ourselves about toxic relationships and about how we present ourselves in the world and and how we allow ourselves to be treated and then the idea that my children will one day be dating makes my blood run cold it really does but I think books and conversations like the the, um, the stuff that Lala is putting out in the world really are helpful and will hopefully give us something to to help them help themselves navigate this yeah it's been an absolute pleasure what a, what a great conversation <laughs> very unfiltered i'm going to be carrying on thinking about that builder wanting to come around to a house for the rest of the day um so that's it that's another episode of but why done thank you for being here please do rate review subscribe tell your mates all about it i'm now off to have my lunch don't even know what i'm gonna have so i can't even give you any kind of extra information yeah just some lunch um wishing you a lovely day and i'll catch you next time bye bye